Hi, we here at Grace Life would love to help you discover Jesus' unconditional love and grace for you. We pray that this message will be a blessing to you and further establish you in the truth of God's Word. Welcome here this morning, and I want to say Happy Father's Day yes. to the fathers that are here this morning. Happy Father's Day. We are so blessed to have you here. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. We pray today that you may be blessed as a father, as a leader of a family, and as man and a man of God. There's also single ladies here <laughs> that's fulfilling that place as the father figures. So we just bless you this morning. Amen. All right. So to this morning we're going to read out of Ephesians. If you can just open your Bibles in Ephesians 3. And just to give you a, a summary. Ephesians follows a theme common in Paul's writing. Connecting theory with practice in this book. However, he goes into greater depths before making the transition. As a letter meant to be read by more than just the believers at Ephesians, this is an important look at how Christian belief should translate into Christian action. Amen? Amen. The first three chapters lay out spiritual ideas. The last three chapters show how these truths should be applied in the life of a mature believer. Yeah, we shouldn't just read the Word of God. No, we should apply it in our lives, ne? so that people can see we shall go out there and preach the gospel even to those that doesn't know the gospel. Paul focuses heavily on love, the unity of the Christian church, and the incredible value of salvation through Jesus Christ. And we all know the life of Paul, ne? what Paul went through, and yeah. So today we're going to just talk about that life. The first three chapters of Ephesians are doctrinal. Doctrinal. What does doctrinal mean? It means the teachings and the instructions of Paul. Ne? The last three are practical. Chapter three begins the transition from a Christian understanding of salvation, grace, and the power of Christ into a practical guide for Christian living. To make this transition in this chapter, Paul refers refers to his own calling by God and prays for the spiritual strength of the Ephesian church. So let us read Ephesians chapter 3. Verse 3, verse 1. Ephesians 3, verse 1. For this reason I, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the sake of you Gentiles, surely... You have heard about the administration. This is a new international version. If you don't, if it's not reading the same as your King James. Yeah, it's the same. Surely you have heard about the administration of God's grace that was given to me for you. That is the mystery made known to me by revelation. As I've already written briefly, in reading this, then you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made, made known to people in 
other generations as it is, has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. Amen? This mystery is, the, is that through the gospel, the Gentiles and heirs together with Israel, members together of one body and shared together in the promise of Jesus Christ. Remember we talked a few weeks about the unity that, we, that should be there and the patience that we should have. Amen. And then verse 7 reads, I became a servant, Paul, of this gospel by the gift of God's grace given me through the working of his power. Although I am less than the least of all the Lord's people, this grace was given me to preach to the Gentiles the boundless riches of Christ and to make plain to everyone the administration of this mystery, which for ages was kept hidden in God. I would just like, who created all things. I would like Philip to read us. Have you got King James? King James. Okay. Yeah. Which one you, you can read verse, from verse 1 to 10. Okay. For this cause, I call the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. If ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you all, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, whereby when you read, you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made, made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Amen. That the Gentiles should be fellow follow heirs, fellow inheritors, and of the same body and partakers of his promise Amen. in Christ by the gospel. Whereof was made a minister, so was made a minister, Amen. according to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual working of his. And to me, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given that I should preach among, among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, that to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery the beginning of the world has been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ. Amen. Do the intent that now and to the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God. Amen. The manifold wisdom, wisdom Amen. of God. Praise God. <clears throat> His intent was that now through the church, I'm just reading verse 10, through the church the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to the rulers and to the authorities in the heavenly realms according to His eternal purpose that He accomplished in Christ Jesus our Lord. 
in him and through, that is verse 12, in him and through faith, in him we may approach God with freedom and confidence. I ask you therefore not to be discouraged because of my sufferings for you, which are your glory. For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. So that the Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you being rooted and established in love may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and long and high and deep the love of Christ is. And I think we all do understand that God's love for us is wide, deep and high. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be full to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more. What is immeasurably? Exceedingly abundantly more than what and more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that work within us to verse 21 to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever amen what does it mean what does Ephesians 3 mean what does it mean to you and to me as fellow believers. Chapter 3 speaks about the misery of Christ which is revealed. Amen. Ephesians 3 verse 1 to 13. The second part of this chapter emphasizes Paul's prayer. It emphasizes Paul's prayer. For spiritual strength. And it ends the first half of his letter. Amen. The first passage, Ephesians 3, verse 1 to 13, includes Paul's mentioning himself by name as a prisoner on behalf of the Gentiles. And all of us know the story of Paul. Of Paul that he was in prison for the gospel. Many times. How he was beaten and everything that happened to Paul. He assumes his readers know of his calling to serve them. Ephesians 3 verse 2, the gospel was revealed to him as he previously mentioned. This was information not known in the past. Ephesians 3 verse 4 to 5, the mystery he spoke of was that Gentiles are now fellow family members of, of the church in Jesus Christ, the gospel. And we were not, we were all strangers. All of us that are here were strangers. The moment we received our salvation, we received, we received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior. Yeah. We became saints, yes. the children of God. Yeah. Paul, was minister, Paul was a minister of this gospel, yeah. according to God's grace. Ephesians 3 verse 7 says, uh, uh, three, Ephesians 3 verse 7, though he was the least likely to be in this role, God gave him this calling to share Christ with the Gentiles. Paul was the least, but God gave him this grace 
to minister to the Gentiles. And what are we that are sitting here this morning? We are saints. We are fellow believers. We are holy. Yes. We can minister, like um, Philip read last week, minister to those that doesn't know Christ outside. Of course. We shouldn't just keep the gospel for ourselves. Yes. We must go out there and make disciples of all nations. Yes. So God gave him this calling to share Christ with the Gentiles. He sought to bring light to everyone regarding the plan and the grace of God. Ephesians 3 verse 9, this was part of the eternal plan of God. Paul said we have boldness and access to God with confidence through our faith in Jesus. What does Paul say do we have? Boldness. We have boldness. Paul said we have boldness and we have? Confidence and access to God with confidence through faith in Jesus Christ. Paul also asks that his readers not to be discouraged by his imprisonment. He doesn't want us to be discouraged because he was in jail at that time. The imprisonment of Paul described was first Roman imprisonment. During this time, Paul was under house arrest. While waiting trial. Despite the confinement. For two full years. He was able to freely preach. The gospel to all. Who came to him. Are we in prison. Today. We are not in prison. Are we preaching the gospel. Yes. Yes. yes we are preaching the gospel. As a result. Every. Even some among Caesar's household came to faith. Philippians 4 verse 22. If you can write down Philippians 4 verse 22. In addition, during this time, Paul wrote four letters which are now part of the New Testament. And which are the four letters? Philippians, Colossians, Philemon, and the letter to Ephesians. The four letters. Presumably... His imprisonment allowed him to write even more letters which did not become part of the Bible. The second part, Ephesians 3 verse 14 to 21 of this chapter includes a personal prayer by Paul. He bowed on his knees asking God to give the Ephesians strength through his spirit. Ephesians 3 verse 16. He desired for Christ to dwell in the heart of the church of Ephesians, by, of Ephesus, by faith. His desire was for them to know the depth of Christ's love that surpasses all knowledge. Can you see how Paul was just praying for the church? For us to know the, the depth. His desire was for them to know the depth of Christ's love. That surpasses all knowledge. And then Paul concludes the chapter with a doxology to the Lord. Doxology is like pressure. Yes. To the Lord. Ephesians 3 verse 20 to 21. Paul describes God as one able to do far more than what we can ask. Do you think God can do far more than what we can ask? 
Of course. He does far more than what we can ask or what we can think. Ephesians 3 verse 20. God deserves all glory for all things at all times. We've just saying, we give you all the glory. You are the Alpha. You are the Omega. Amen. Amen. So today, I just wanted to say, God's love for you and for me is awesome. He loves us so much that we, when we sang that, chor, chor, that chorus that Rita was talking about, the reckless love of God. It's so beautiful. And you know how beautiful it is to sing to God and to worship God, not to, just to listen to the songs that are, are being sang and for us to try and think, do we know the words of the song? No, it's beautiful for me and you to worship God. Worship Him in spirit and in truth. Worship Him for who He is and for what He has done in our life. Amen. Romans 5 verse 1 to 8. Therefore, since we... Can we read Romans 5 verse 1 to 8? Okay. Amen. Romans 5 verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith. What does, it, what does justified mean? Rita? Just as if I've never sinned. Amen. Just as if I have never sinned. We've made right. Yeah. We've made the righteous in God's eyes. All of us that are here today that have received Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we are made righteous in God's sight. Amen. We were made just as we, as if we would never sin. Now Jesus took all our sin, as you remember when Jesus died on the cross of Calvary. He took all our sins, all our iniquities, everything that we have done wrong. Jesus took and bore all our pain on the cross. Eh? So therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, I'm sure you do feel that peace, the peace of God in your life. Amen. Amen. Through Him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. When we sing, we rejoice Amen. in Him. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings. Not just when we are happy, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces Character and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though. Perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love to us 
that while we were still sinners, Christ died for each and every one of us. Isn't that awesome? To know Christ Jesus died for us while we were yet sinners. So what we focus on with you in this in this verse, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. If anyone that are sitting here, you might feel this morning, I just sense there's a bit of disappointment in some of our people that are sitting here. Don't feel disappointment. Don't feel disappointed. God loves you very, very much. And He has given you this gift of love. As I, you remember my testimony in the beginning when I told you that I didn't know love? I didn't know my father. My father died when I was four years old. So I didn't know what it is to be loved by a father. But the moment I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, God poured out His love Hallelujah. on the inside of me, in my heart. He poured it out. And today I know what it is to be loved. To know today I can love my children, I can love my fellow brothers and sisters, and I can even love those that doesn't know Christ because that's our mission to take the gospel into this world, into Solaris Pass. As Rita always says, we turn Solaris Pass right side right side up for God. So yeah, God has poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. He's poured his love into our hearts. Do not feel disappointed if your children didn't wish you or say Happy Father's Day or Happy Mother's Day or no. nothing. As long as you know God has poured out Amen. His love into your heart, Amen. into my heart. He loves us so much. Philip said when he was talking about the, um, the adoption, the children that was adopt, adopted. adopted yeah. Yeah. We adopted from the evil. Yes. Amen. So just remember that God loves us very much. And He will never leave you and He will never forsake you. You will never be alone. Never. Yeah. God's love poured into your heart is not the same as God's love proven to your mind because our mind, to be carnally minded, is death. death. But to be spiritually minded is life. Amen. It's not the same as God's love proven to your mind. God's love poured into your heart is a real hard experience of being loved by God. And I'm sure you do know that. The love of God poured out into our hearts. Ne? That makes you feel that you are really, really loved by God. God's love poured into your heart is a real hard experience of being loved by God. God's love proven to your mind is the conclusion of an argument with or without the sweetness of feeling loved by God in your heart. I want you to know this sweetness today. How much God loves you. Amen. I want you to enjoy this gift. The outpouring of the love of God in your heart. In each and every one of your hearts. Enjoy it today. God pours out. If you don't have an experience of that love, we can introduce you to that love and we can pray for you so that you can have that experience of the outpouring of the love of God in your heart. You can know in your head some things from 
argument that you don't experience in your heart from God's Spirit. For example, you might argue, the Bible says, for God so loved the world, in John 3 verse 16, that He gave His only begotten Son, so that whosoever believes in Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Everlasting life. Who in this world can give you everlasting life except God? Only God. I am part of this world. We are all part of this world. We are in this world. Therefore, God loves us. He gave and He loves us. That's the one way of knowing you and me. We all are loved by God. Amen? Or you might go further and say, Christ told His disciples, greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friend. And where does that, that is in John 15 verse 13. I am the one of his friends because I follow him and I keep his commandments. I keep it because I am his own. Therefore Christ loves me with the greatest love. Christ loves you. He does love you. Jesus loves you with the greatest love. That is a way of knowing in your head that you are loved. If your head tells you something else, just tell your head, your mind, that Christ loves me. He loves you unconditionally. But that is not what Romans 5, 5 is talking about. Romans 5 verse 5 says, Hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Can we say, can we read that again? Can I say that again to you? Hope does not put hope. Where is our hope in? In what is our hope? In Christ. Hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Who has been given to us. This is a spirit given experience of God's love. Not a logical inference from an argument. It is something poured out. It is something felt in the heart. No. In that way the heart knows it. Our hearts knows that. That God has poured out his love into our hearts. Therefore we can love. Because Christ loves us. We can do that. If Jesus has died on the cross of Calvary because he loves us, why can't we love one another? We can do that. That's not impossible. And notice this magnitude of the role that this experience of the love of God is to have in your life. The foundation for how you can be sure that your, your hope will not be put to shame. If you have hope in Christ, it will not be put to shame. Because our hope is in Christ. Do you see that the word, because in verse 5, hope does not put us to shame because Christ lives on the inside of us. We have, as we are sitting here, have the fullness of Christ inside of us. We will not put to shame. We have got that hope inside. Nothing can change that if you believe. 
to, to see how this, because works, we need to ask, how might hope put you to shame? Your experience of hope might be a shame. You say your hope is in God, but it's really not. If you say your hope is in God, it should be in God. God, yes, oh yes. Maybe it's comfort and health and prosperity because sometimes we're looking for prosperity instead of looking to Jesus. to Jesus or to God. Our experience of hope might be real, but then it proves at the end to be bold on sand. God really didn't love God really didn't love you all. There is not a God after all, like some would say. Paul showed how God helps us with the first threat to our hope in verse 3. He puts us through the fires of suffering to refine our hope. Everything that we went through, if you put your hope in God, you are able to go through. It doesn't matter what it is that comes your way. Not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And enduring produces character. And character produces hope. You come through the trial and you say, I am real. I'm real. My faith did not fail. My hope survived the fire. It's real. Like we sang this morning, we can walk through fire. Walk through fire and not feel the flame. That's the first way God saves us from our hope being put to shame. Amen. The second threat to our hope is not that the experience of hope might be fake. But that the object of the hope itself might, might be fake. Maybe God really doesn't love us. This is what we would, or some people would say. Maybe there's no God. This is what some people would say. And we Christians will look absolutely foolish because our hope is going to turn out to be a marriage. That is what Paul addresses in verse 5. He says, this is not going to happen. Hope does not put us to shame. Your hope will never put you to shame. If you put your hope in Christ, you will not be put to shame. This is not going to happen. Hope does not put us to shame. Why? Then he gives the reason, the foundation. And to our amazement, perhaps, he describes an experience of the heart. Where is Christ Jesus? In our hearts. Not mainly an argument of the head. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Amen? Christian, you are not going to come. Believers, each and every believer that I hear, you are not going to come to the end and find out your hope has all be a shame. You will not be put to shame. You are not going to be put to shame. Yes. How do you know this? Because God's love has been poured into our hearts. God's love through the Holy Spirit, yes. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit. Something happens in the heart. And you know now, you really know the kind of knowing you can die for. 
when you know that you know that you know that you know that Christ in us is the hope of all glory. Amen. Amen. My hope is not in vain. Your hope is not, will never be put to shame. It's not in vain. When you put your hope in Christ Jesus, you will overcome every obstacle. The world will struggle. The world will, those that are in the world will struggle. Where do they put their hope in? They put their hope in alcohol. They put their hope in drugs. They put their hope in in whatsoever. But our hope is in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. Amen. Four things about this experience. So I want to say four things about this experience from the text. The experience of the love of God is poured out through the Holy Spirit. Remember that, ne? Don't forget that. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, as we said, who has been given to us. If you don't know the Holy Spirit has been given, given to us, go to the Word of God. Make sure that you have the Holy Spirit. Ne? That will teach you everything about God. If you don't have it, yes, Philip said, we can fix that right now and right here. We don't want you to move without the Holy Spirit. Whatever else we say about this experience, let this be said. It is not decisively the work of men, but the work of God. It's not the work of men. I didn't do a work in your life. You didn't do a work in my life, but God did a work in your life. It is supernatural. It is not finally in our power. It is not the product of mere circumstances. It is not owing to a God, good family or origin. It is owing to the Holy Spirit. You don't make it happen. The Holy Spirit make it happen. It is His work. You and I don't do anything. But the Holy Spirit does the work inside of our hearts. Amen? Yeah. It doesn't matter who comes with what gospel or whatever they want to say to you, but you know what you know. Yeah. God, he that began a good work in me will be, yeah. will, will be completing this work that he has started in me. There's something deeply wrong when we become naturalistic. And so, and so we think a person with a traumatic, abusive background cannot know the love of God. This is sometimes how Christian thinks that people that has been abused doesn't know the love of God. We give the impression that knowing the love of God is really a matter of good upbringing. With, in other words, if there was no abuse in your family, there was no fights, there was everything went smooth. It's only that family that will know the love of God. It's not true. Even if you come from an abusive family, God, you can have an experience and you can know the love of God because God pours it out in your heart through His Holy Spirit that has been given to you. Amen. A loving rather than abusive father, as if something so merely human was source of the supernatural experience of the spirit outpouring of love of God. No, no, the authentic experience of feeling loved by God 
is a work of God. So who do we give glory today? We can give glory only to God. Only to God. Feeling loved by God. Do we feel loved by God? It doesn't matter like Philip said, what the feeling is. How you feel. Start to worship God. Start to praise God. And you will experience the love of God. That surpasses all understanding. Amen. Amen. We celebrate. We celebrate our God, our Father. Amen. So this is Father's Day anyway. So, But it's Father's Day to us every day. Because we have a relationship with the Father. Amen. Not a work of being well adjusted in solid families. In fact, it is not also likely that men, many healthy, well adjusted, productive adults from self assured families mistake their own natural sense of well being for the love of God and are therefore worse off spiritually than the struggler from the broken family who, beyond all expectation, has tasted the love of God by the power of the Holy Spirit. You know what force we are here. This world doesn't know. They need to know that God is love. We are loved by God. We belong to His kingdom. We belong to God. That's the first thing to notice about this experience. It's given to us supernaturally by the Holy Spirit, not by man and not by ourselves or any pedigree or or as if a happy family of origin were the same as the work of the Holy Spirit. This experience of God's love has factual objective content. Another way to say it is this spirit-worked experience. And it is an experience. It is given to us by the Spirit through historical facts. There is a knowledge component to this experience. And there are real facts behind the knowledge. Notice the connection between verse 5 and verse 6 to 8. Verse 5 says that the experience of God's love is poured out through the Holy Spirit. Then verse six is connect, verse six is connected to this statement with the word for. While we were still weak, for while we were still weak, and at the right time Christ Jesus died for the ungodly. Then in verse seven to eight, Paul unfolds for us the historical objective fact that Christ died for helpless, ungodly sinners. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person through, though perhaps for a good person, one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners. Are you still a sinner? No. No, we're not sinners anymore. Yes. Amen. I know, I know, Wayne. And notice in verse 8 how he makes crystal clear what he's saying in relation to the experience of his faith. God, verse 5. God shows his love for us. He shows his love for us. 
Remember in verse 5, God's love is poured out in our hearts. And in verse 8, it is shown to us. In verse 5, it is poured out. And verse 8, it is shown to us. Now think about this. Is the love of God shown to us historically in the... And, and now think about this. Is the love of God shown to us historically in the death of Christ? For us to show, study, and think about, and know as objective fact? Or is the love of God poured out in our hearts, experientially, by the Holy Spirit? It is poured. Yes. It is poured out in our hearts. And of course, the answer is that Paul will not let us choose between these. He will not let us break these things in two. We dare not choose between them or make them to each other. The love of God is experienced in the heart. The love of God is experienced in our heart. And the love of God is demonstrated in history. There is a fact and there is a feeling. There is knowledge in the head and there is affection in the heart. There is truth and there is spirit. And the key question is how are they related? On the basis of the relation between verse 5 and verse 6 to 8, I say the Holy Spirit takes the historical facts of Christ's death, opens the eyes of our hearts to see all satisfying divine beauty of the love of God in it. And this by the spiritual sight of God's love in the work of Christ. He pours that love into our heart. We've heard it now several times. What does God do? He pours His love into our hearts by, by the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. Amen. It is not an experience like electricity. It is a medi mediated experience. It has factual content. And therefore when it comes, it isn't like some vague new age of body experience or some hypnotic state or some ecstatic condition produced by emptying your head. It's being filled with the glory of the love of God shown in the God man Christ Jesus who died because of our sins and rose because of our justification. It is experienced by all Christians, all believers and in some measure. Why do I say this? The reason I say that all Christians have this experience in some measure is because that is what Paul says in verse 5. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Notice the our and the us are the same group. The same group of people who receive the Holy Spirit also have the love of God poured into their hearts. But to whom was the Holy Spirit given? To whom? was the Holy Spirit given. Romans 8 verse 9, you are not in the flesh, but you are in the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you, but if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If anyone of us does not have the Spirit of Christ, he yes. does not belong to him. This is what the word says. Yeah, he uses three terms, spirit, spirit of God, and spirit of Christ. It is the same spirit, not different spirits. Then notice what he says in verse 9. Yeah. If anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, 
he does not belong to him. That means all Christians have the Spirit of Christ, the Holy Spirit. And those that does not have the Spirit, we can pray for you so that you can have the Spirit of God. Amen? So I conclude that all true Christians have at least tasted the outpouring of God's love in our hearts. If you didn't taste it, we have an opportunity for you to have an experience of the outpouring of God's love in your hearts. Every true Christian knows the love of God, not just as an argument, but as, as an experience. Amen. Do you have it as an experience, believers? Amen. We do have it. This is what it means to become a Christian. The experience varies from time to time and person to person and can be and should be persuaded in every fuller measure. God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Amen. I wish you could see in English, but there is a difference in tense because it has been poured into and it has been given to us. Poured into and it has been given to us. The second one means the Spirit is given to us once and for all. But the first one means it can keep on happening. So we receive the Spirit at conversion once and for all, but the outpouring of God's love can come again and again. But since you can't see that, here is what you can see to make that same point. First consider 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 5. 2 Thessalonians 3 verse 5. Can we read there? May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God and into the steadfastness of Christ. Here we have Paul praying that God would do something now for the Thessalonians. What does he want God to do now? He wants God to direct their hearts. Yeah. That is what Paul was praying for. This is a remarkable phrase. The heart has been the heart has direction. It moves toward one thing or another. When the heart moves towards something, it moves toward what it regards as attractive and satisfying and valuable. So Paul is praying that God would give the heart a sight of the love of God as more attractive and satisfying and valuable than ordinary earthly things. May the Lord direct your hearts into the love of God. We pray that God, God direct your hearts into the love of God. What would this be other than experience of God's love? Paul prays for it to happen. He wants it to happen. Which means this experience can rise and fall. It can be greater or lesser. And the greater desire... Oh, let it be greater. Ne? Hope does not put us to shame. If you believe that, your hope will not put you to shame. Our God will not put you to shame. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. God will not let you down. I want to say this to you, that God will not let you down. He will not... Let your hope prove empty. God will not let your hope prove empty. He won't let you put to, to be put to shame. 
God will never do that. To that end, He pours His love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit. He gives you a real experience of His love, not just an argument for His love, but experience. And He tells us four things about His experience. The experience of the love of God is poured out through the Holy Spirit, like we said. It is nothing, it is not doing, it is not your doing, it is supernatural. That experience is given by the Holy Spirit through opening the eyes of your heart to the self-glory, the authenticating glory, beauty, worth of his love in historical death of his son for us. Verse 8 says, but God shows, present tense, his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. This experience comes to every Christian in some measure. There are no Christians who merely believe by argument and not by experience. This is what means to be born again. We have tasted and seen the glory of God in Christ that was crucified. This experience varies from time to time and person to person and can be and should be persuaded in every fuller measure. Therefore, may the Lord direct your heart into the experience of love of God. May God direct your heart so that you can experience the love of God. And who wants to know the love of God in a full measure? I think each and every one of us, not just in part, but in full, we want to have that experience of God. Ne? So we pray for that like Paul has prayed for it. We pray today that you will have that experience, that you will know how much the Father loves you, how much He loves us. And He really did love us. John 3 verse 16 is not just a word or a verse. It is true that God loved us so much that He gave. And there's nothing better for us to give than give and to give our lives for the lost in this world. And just go and, and let them also experience the love of God. Amen. We'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to connect with us, or if you'd like us to pray with you, please contact us at info at gracelife.co. If you'd like to order more resources or discover more about us, you can visit our website at www.gracelife.co or find us on Twitter, Facebook and YouTube.